I'm just so thankful that you are all here. I know that, that God is doing great, great and mighty works in every life, in every family, and I am, I am so thankful for that. Praise God. Amen. 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 Is it still smoky outside? Amen. Amen. If the Lord moves you, I want you to pray about that. About this air and the, the fires and and all. God God's able. He controls all the elements. You know. Oh, let me say that again. He controls all the elements. And so he can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. We just pray. There's nothing wrong with giving a supplication to the Lord. Supplication is a request. You know, a need that, Lord, I would like for this to be done. Now, that doesn't mean if I pray that it's going to happen. And it doesn't mean that if it doesn't happen, I get to have a bad attitude either. But, so that alone is a lot, enough sometimes to keep people from even praying it. Because they think, well, if I pray it and it doesn't happen, I'm going to have all this attitude and issues to deal with or this lack of faith no don't even go there the scripture tells us to let our supplications be made known before the lord lord i would love fresh air i would love clean air this smoke to be gone i'd love for that fire to just stop so that those workers can be done with what they're trying to do lord you know all the details of every one of these situations but my prayer is and then you pray that amen Praise God. I'm going to ask Brother Hart to come at this time and, and share what the Lord has for us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Brother Vance or Elder, yeah, would you mind to bring me down? <laughs> thank you, thank you. I um, feel such a witness of the Holy Ghost here today. And I uh, just want to continue in that. You know, multiple of those songs we were singing and, and just the thread of what's been talked about already has been in the vein of, of prayer, praying, speaking. And uh, Friday afternoon, the Lord put a couple of scriptures on my, in my spirit. And I just feel to read those and kind of expound on them for a few minutes here today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Matt, or not Matthew, <laughs> um, Timothy, 1 Timothy, chapter 2. And I, I was just in awe as, as Elder responded to the Holy Ghost in, in praying for and with the parents um, this morning. Because I feel, I feel led uh, to speak to to speak to the men a little bit directly today, and uh, so that goes for every male <laughs> in this place. If you're a man, you say I'm a man. I'm a man. Amen. It's important that we, uh, as men, don't shy away from the fact that we're men. <laughs> 
today in this hour. Uh, I'm not even going to get into that. But identity, politics, and all that garbage would try to, it, it's trying to cause us even to feel bad about our race or our gender. And it's, it's, little, it's just that, it's garbage. <laughs> and we have examples that I want to talk about. To the men specifically, we have examples in the Word of God of what men should look like and what, what men should do. And um, so I don't know about you, I th- we're all here today as men. I think that I- any man interested in knowing what the Bible says about being a man, I am. Um, you know, I can, I try to be all, you know, man, manly and masculine and sometimes even take that too far. But it, whether it's this side or that side in the world, I, I, I just want to be a man according to the word of God. So Second Timothy chapter 2. And now everyone else don't, don't tune out on me. Because what we'll see and, and find here in, just in these couple of scriptures is that it's, this is directed at men, but it's, but it's for men as, as being examples uh, in the home and in their families. And so I know that there's many homes that don't have a, a man or a father figure. And so that, that responsibility then moves down the line to, to whoever is the head of that home. And... Um, course God understands that and uh, and and he expects that still that same responsibility from from the women and and it's not supposed to stop with the man anyway but the men are supposed to be the ones that lead by the example and and then it's supposed to have this trickle effect all the way down the line so second Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 says I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, Elder is talking about supplication a little bit, and this is, you can look at these few types of prayer right here sort of as, I've heard them said as, as channels of prayer, and so if you're ever struggling in, in prayer or wondering what to pray about or how to pray, this is a great verse and, and chapter as a whole to go to, to also again have a biblical model for prayer. So I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, these are types of prayer, prayers, intercessions, we did a little bit of that on Tuesday night, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, and that men there is mankind, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Um, again, another thing, just as, as the Holy Ghost was moving so far in the service, I don't know if anyone else recognized or noticed the, I felt that there was a distinct shift, the only way I know how to describe it is a shift uh, in the Holy Ghost, in the atmosphere, as we began to pray for, for Bishop this morning. And there's something to be said about that when we lift up the man of God and authority in our life and prayer and we, we rightly align ourselves with those that are placed in authority over us, and, and we pray for them, it doesn't necessarily mean we always are in agreement, that we always are in alignment with what we think, but as long as they're in alignment with the Word of God, we're in alignment, trying to be obedient to the Word of God, 
and then we be submissive to them, we're going to see this, again, that, that downward trickle, the umbrella effect of covering, and uh, there's safety in that. You feel the authority in the room change when, when we come under that covering, when we come under that authority and unity. And so I'm thankful to feel that today. Bishop doesn't have to be here physically for us to walk in that authority uh, that Bishop brings to us by being submitted to him because um, it goes, it's, it goes from the top down. So I'm thankful for that. So prayer should be made and for all men, kings and those in authority. That doesn't go for only those in authority in the church, but those in authority in government. <laughs> and that's a, little, that's a little more tough, right? Because ho- hopefully in the church we're, we're in agreement a little more often. <laughs> we're not in disagreement, which we'll get to that in a second. But a lot of times in government, because it's the government of this world, it's men of this world that are uh, dictated so much by the will of Satan, it can be pretty tough to pray for them when we, when we don't like them or when we don't agree with them. Um, but, but it's biblical and it's important that we lift up those in authority because it says, I think it's in Romans, it says that everyone that's in authority, God has put there. Every place of authority and everyone that has authority is, is ordained by God. And so as much as we don't agree with it, it's all part of God's plan. It's all part of his purpose. And important for us to, again, rightly align with that. Skip down with me to verse number 8. Now this is going to get a little more specific to the men. He's still... Paul's still speaking here to Timothy. He says, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And, man, in that one verse right there, the Lord has been just leading me to so many other places. And and with his help, just for a few minutes, I want to uh, go to some of those places. Um, first, let's, let's look at just two chapters over. Um, yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. Still talking about prayer here a little bit. He says, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. Nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And this is talking about things that we receive. I think it may be talking a little bit about food here, being sanctified um, by the word of God and by prayer. But I think this applies as well to us as creatures. Um, Of course, we're not the same type of creatures as the animals, um, but we're mankind, we're his creation, so we're creatures of his creation. And we are sanctified or we're made holy by the word of God and by prayer. Uh, and really it is as simple as that. You know, prayer, prayer can be, and the word of God, both, if we're not careful, can be made a little bit one-dimensional. Um, we can say, okay, I need to pray, and we see prayer as just, just us speaking. Um, but we saw even just in that one verse there in Timothy that prayer is, 
it's supplication, it's prayers, it's intercessions, it's giving of thanks. There's all these levels and these layers to prayer and to the purpose of prayer. And so for us as men in our homes and, and, in the, and everywhere, not just in our homes because we ought to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, how do we get to that point where we know that I can be praying and lifting up holy hands? How do I know that my hands are holy when I'm lifting them up, right? Because I want to be, I want to be in alignment with the, with the Word of God. Well, it's, it's through prayer. It's through prayer and through the Word of God that my hands, that my body is made pure, that it's sanctified, that it's made holy as He is holy. And there's another verse in, uh, I believe it's James chapter 4. Um, you can turn there with me if you'd like. Yeah, James chapter 4 and verse, verse 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to miracles, when it comes to anything, my main desire and purpose is, is just getting closer to God. And I don't, always, I don't always do that the best that I know I should by, by drawing nigh to Him. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll mess up or stumble, and, and then it's, it's human nature for me to pull back. We see that with Adam and Eve in the garden. They, they sinned, they knew it, and so the first thing they did is they went and hid themselves. And that's, it's a lie from the enemy for us when we stumble or when we fall to not continue to go to a place of prayer. Because Adam and Eve, Adam specifically at that point as the head of his home, as the covering, he had that place of fellowship, of communion with God there in the garden in the cool of the day. And of course it was sin that separated them from that, but it was an appointed time every day. And, and when, they, when he sinned, their immediate response was to hide, to not go to their appointment. And God shows up still and says, hey, where are you guys at? I thought this is where we meet. I thought this is where we talk. I thought this is where we draw nigh to one another. But he allowed sin to, to cause him to pull away. Sin and emotion. And, but that, that verse goes on and it says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. It's pretty cut and dry. James is pretty straightforward. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And that's, that's, we don't do that before we draw nigh to God, but that's, that's all in, in the process of drawing nigh to Him. The Lord doesn't expect us to be perfect when we come before Him, right? Because we go before his, his throne of grace, we come humbly, but we also come boldly to His throne of grace, knowing that He's going to give us grace and mercy in our time of need. What's the time that I need mercy? It's when I've, when I've made a mistake, when I've stumbled, when I've fell. So I come boldly before him. I continue to draw nigh to him, regardless of the things that I feel have separated me and the things that I feel are going to pull me away. It's continuing in obedience to the word of God with a made-up mind. And it's a made-up mind that gives us that stability. You know, we've talked for a couple weeks now, um, and there's just all these things that feel like the Lord's piecing together for me. In Colossians, we've talked about being 
rooted and built up in, in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. And that's, that's in context there to, to the voices of, of philosophy, of reason, of, of, of false teaching. That's, that's in the context of those things trying to pull us away. But we have to be rooted, built up, and established in the faith to have that stability, to not fall away. And so for me personally, I've been thinking, I, I've recently started a new job within the last few months and also moved into a, uh, an apartment with my, with my brother. So some things in, in transition, I've, I've seen this illustration before where um, a guy, he stood someone up and had him step, like he was stepping onto the platform. And as he had his foot in the air, the guy pushed him. <laughs> and of course, he's on one foot. And so he was a lot more wobbly when he got that nudge. And the illustration that the man of God was making was that it's in those times of transition that it's easy for us to not have the stability that we need. And I, I can definitely relate with that. I, can, I, can, uh, I understand that. And I don't think it's just because of my transition in, into different job and, and home, but but the enemy, he'll try to come and say, you know, well, you don't even have a place of prayer anymore. Where's your, where's your prayer closet now? Um, and I've realized just being in a new place, a new home, and especially an apartment where I know people are above me, below me, beside me, I'm like a little bit conscientious of, because I, I, I'm a kind of quiet person, but I pray pretty loud. And uh, so I'll have that constant just voice in the back of my mind, like, well, you don't want to you don't, don't want to disturb the neighbors. What are they going to think? Like some weirdo. Down. <laughs> and I, that's something I have to push past because I know that it's more important for me to have a stability than for me to listen to these voices of, of reason, even though they sound logical, right? And, and of course, I'm not going to go intentionally be disruptive. Uh, but the stability that I have is not having a double, not being double-minded, being established in the faith. And there's another verse in, in James chapter 1 where he's speaking of your faith being tried in difficult times. And I talked about this a few weeks ago with the winds and the waves, the, how they ri rise up. And, and if we're not careful, we'll be, we'll be wavering just as the waves are in our walk with God. And it's in verse, um, verse 6, and this is speaking of wisdom, which feel like just goes in line as well with what we've been praying already this morning. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. Just ask. And then verse 6, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Remember in, in Timothy, he said, lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. That word doubting there is, is similar to this word wavering. It's doubting in that it's, it's, it's double-minded. It's still not for sure whether what I'm asking is being heard or what I'm asking is something that legitimately God can do. But the Bible tells us to ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth or he that has a double mind is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And then verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And man, I can attest to that, that that is so true. If I'm, and, and this is something I've 
and I try not to ever use excuses, but if, it, if it's something I would attribute it to, it would be the transition um, that I've been in recently. It's, I feel like I've kind of been like this in my, we'll just stay in my stability, because um, that can mean a lot of things. And uh, the Lord's brought me to these scriptures and realizing that, like we read in Timothy, it doesn't matter where we are. If, if we're men of God, if we're men of, of prayer, we should pray everywhere. It, it doesn't matter if I'm in a new place now or I'm a little bit uncomfortable. I should still be established in the faith. I should, still, I should not be wavering. I should not be double-minded. But I should have a made-up mind and know that, no, this is the word of God. He said, if I ask or receive it, if I ask in faith, I should ask boldly. I should ask with nothing wavering. And so it's the faith, there's some, I didn't write this down, but there's another scripture, I think it's Thessalonians somewhere, says anything that is not of faith is, is sin. So the Lord's really been convicting me with that, saying, and there's this other situation that I won't uh, get into detail about, but that I've been praying for, and the Lord convicted me because he was like, well, you know, what's, the, what's your motivator or what's the reason that you're praying that thing? And I had to be honest and say, well, it's because it's something I want. <laughs> I want it, right? I want it to happen. I know you can do it, so I want it to happen. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, yeah, but you're not praying in faith because it's not something that I spoke to you about. He didn't speak to me about this thing to give me the faith in order to pray it. So I was praying of my own will and of my own desire and he's like, of course you're going to be wavering because you don't have the faith to pray it because I didn't speak to you about that thing, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When I get a word from God for something and then I go to prayer about it, I'm not going to be double-minded because I have faith to stand on. Wait, no, he said this or it's in his word and I believe it. And it may take 20 years for me to see it, but I'm not going to be wavering or double-minded because I know what's said in his word will come to pass. And we see examples with this. Can, men, still talking to you. We see examples of this in scripture in, in the book of Daniel. Daniel was in, he went through, it was like three or four different uh, um, kingdoms where they were in captivity. Starting with Babylon and then the Persians. And, and um but at one point he was he was in captivity and he's reading the scripture the Bible tell us tells us, and I think it's Jeremiah that he's reading, and and actually Elder Flowers kind of read in this area a couple weeks ago, in Jeremiah, but he's reading and he realizes that their captivity it did have a time stamp from God, there there was a specific time frame that God had allotted for them to be in captivity to Babylon. And he knew, he realized because of when they got into captivity and where they were now, he realized, wait a second, we're getting, we're about at this end date. We're about at this time that God said, however many years before with Jeremiah, uh, we're, we're about at that time where something should be changing, where something should be shifting here. And so he went to God in prayer. He sought God in prayer. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's where we get the Daniel fast from where he fasted 21 days. I, I believe it's that same place where he begins to pray, standing on the word of God, knowing that what he was praying was, was already spoken, was already established to happen. 
So he prayed for 21 days while fasting, nothing wavering, because he had a word from God to stand on that it was going to happen. And if you don't know the story, an angel visits him on that 21st day and says, and I can just kind of imagine the dialogue. He, I just see this angel kind of showing up to him panting like, man, Daniel, sorry, I, I came as soon as you prayed the first day, but I was kind of held up back there by this, uh, by this prince of, I think it was the prince of Persia. <laughs> he was like, gotten a little uh, brawl. So I've been, uh, been trying to get to you, but thank you for not wavering. Thank you for not doubting, even though you didn't feel anything on day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, <laughs> right? He didn't, there's no evidence in scripture that he felt anything emotionally or that he got another word from God within those 21 days. But nothing wavering, he prayed because he had a word from God. And that angel shows up and said, I've come for your words. Because I heard you on the first day. <laughs> and God sent that angel to fight that fight, to bring him to collect his words. Amen. There's power in that, I know. And I'm not intentionally trying to connect this together, but there's power in our words. There's power when we open our mouths and speak, especially when it's the word of God. When it's words that we have that we can stand on, we should stand on the word of God. Amen. We, when we pray things in Scripture, when we pray, I've been studying a lot recently about the, the end times because there's a lot of noise in the world um, regarding the tribulation and different things and when it'll be and whether we're in it now or not and just a lot of noise, a lot of nonsense. And Paul even deals with that in Thessalonians saying, look, if anyone with any, of any spirit or of any voice or any letter comes to you trying to say that it's the day of the Lord now, even if they say it in my name, don't listen to them. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. That day's not going to come unless the, and this is getting off on a rabbit trail, but that day's not going to come unless the Antichrist or the son of perdition raises himself up and, and uh, different Bible study for a different time. But we're not there. We're not at that point. And we're not looking for, for the Antichrist. We're not looking for the son of perdition because we're the church. <laughs> So we stand on the word of God that we're going to be carried away, that we're going to be taken away, right? So when I pray, I don't pray motivated by, by fear, saying, oh God, but I really don't want to take this vaccine. <laughs> and I don't, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I don't pray in fear based on that. Because I pray, God, whatever happens, I'm not going to be here when the destruction comes. Me and Brother Pants were talking for a second, sort of jokingly in the prayer room, about the fires, and I don't know if it's a result of me being raised, probably being raised in a preacher's home, and I just sort of think uh, in biblical examples, even if it's for fun and not in context. <laughs> so whenever I think about the fires, I can't help but think about God being a consuming fire and all these examples in Scripture, right, of fire, because he destroyed the world once with the flood, but he's not going to do it that same way again. It's going to be with with fire. And uh, so I don't know about you, but fires across the country, across the world, floods. I mean, there's signs of, of the times all around us. There's things, there's circumstances around us that 
if we, and this is something I've been on for over a year now, if we get caught up in the natural with, with what we can see naturally, it's going to affect our faith. It's going to cause us to waver. Because what we see in the natural is, is rising of persecution in the church. Maybe not for us as, as locally, but we're not naive to the fact we prayed for a Tuesday night uh, there in, in Vietnam. Persecution. We, we know it. We see it on the news. Our, different of our soldiers and Christians in, in uh, Afghanistan and, and the Middle East and places that there's this rise of, of turmoil, these rises of conflict. And we know as, as the church, as the body of Christ, that we know that those things are not only natural. It's not only on that, that one level, that one-dimensional level that, that the enemy would try to get us to look at. And this is the importance, men and women, but especially men as the, as the authority of your home. This is the importance of prayer and the Word of God together. Those aren't, those aren't ever meant to be separate things individually. But prayer and the Word of God together, just like with Daniel, it gives us the understanding of the times. It gives us the understanding of what is to come. And it, it, it destroys the fog of, of the deception of the enemy that would try to put a veil over our eyes and, and cause us to believe that, no, this is what's reality. This is what's really happening. We can say, uh, nope. <laughs> Look at the right here in the Word of God. No, the, the vaccine is not the mark of the beast because look at the word of God. <laughs> Can't be. And I don't know, I don't think anyone here thinks that or has said that, but apparently some people are saying it, so I feel like I just, like, I'll, I'll push their buttons. <laughs> but it's the word of God. And we, and I'm, I'm, I, man, I come with such a fear of the Lord this morning with everything I'm, everything I'm saying and feeling because I know that, yes, I know I'm speaking to you, but I know more than anything I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I want to have an awareness. I, I, I don't want to be deceived in these, in these times or, or, cause my, or allow my faith to waver, but I want to stand up as a man of God and on, on that note, this is, this is something I felt like the Lord was dealing with me about. It was, it was about 2, 2 or 2.30, and I think Elder Flowers sent out a message Friday uh, that, at about that time reminding the men of, of, of prayer the next morning. And it was, it was almost as soon as he, he sent that text, these scriptures came to mind, and then this thought. And um, regarding the men... Here, men, as listening. So, biblically, if we're all we're Christians, of course, but we're called to be men of God, right? The, for, for some reason, in our culture, and just over time, and I think the Bible kind of points to this: um, men of God, that that phrase, or man, the man of God has kind of been marginalized to the guy on the platform, right? Does anyone else agree with that? I know I've thought that, um, right? We, and we use that term, and it's not wrong. The, the man of God has brought the word of the Lord today, or the man of God, and right? 
and a lot of times that's that can be we can think of that and put that in a box to be specifically the pastor, the bishop, whoever's holding the mic. But I believe I believe biblically we, we see it here in Timothy as Paul's writing to him and he's writing to Timothy for his own admonition but also for the the continued ministry to the church that Timothy was was there and and over. I I believe that the men of God or a man of God is supposed to be every man in the church. If we follow the outline of, of Scripture and how it tells us to pray, that men ought always to pray, we should pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, then, uh, then a true man of God is going to be a man that's a praying man and a holy man. A man that's drawing nigh unto God continually, daily, where, where also his family knows about it. I had someone a couple years ago in school, and their dad was a pastor and preacher and good man. I think he's a great man. But they told me, they're like, yeah, I've grown up all these years, and, and I know he prays and, and is in the Word, but I I've never really hear my dad pray or see him pray. And I, I had no judgment towards the man in any way, but kind of caused me to scratch my head and be like, how do you never witness it, right? If it's happening in, in the home where it should be, how, do we, how are we not seeing it? And I believe that, of course, we don't, we don't pray to be seen. We don't pray to be heard. But I believe our family men should, should hear us pray. Our family should have no question that we're a man of prayer, that we're a man of the word. We shouldn't, they, they shouldn't say, man, they, they spend more time in front of the TV than they do in the book. <laughs> because they, our, our children, and we, we talked to the parents this already, our children, trust me, I, I, I can speak from experience, we learn more from what we see than what we're told. At least I have. And... I'm, I'm so, so thankful, and I know I've said this before, but I'm so thankful and blessed to have learned how to pray by waking up, even a lot of times waking up afraid in the middle of the night or waking up scared at 3 or 4 in the morning, and, and in just a few minutes I'd start to hear my dad praying. <laughs> and I know everyone doesn't have that. Everyone's not blessed to, to have that, but men, why would we... How would we not want to give that to our children? If we have that opportunity, why would we not want to give that to our children and, and also our, our wives or anyone that's within our household? Because that, uh, that'll change. That very, that very act, it'll change the whole trajectory of a child's life. And I've, I, spent, I spent a lot of years, a lot of Sundays in the prayer room, and Sister Schoonover reminds me of this sometimes when I was real little, spent a lot of times behind my dad, he would be, he'd be walking in prayer in the prayer room, and I'd be kind of like the picture of footprints in the sand, I'd be walking as if stepping in his, his footprints. They're in the prayer room, right? And I'm thankful for, thankful for that example. 
But now there, there comes a time where, yes, that example is still there. I'm thankful for that. Now there comes a time where it's my responsibility as a man to say, okay, I've seen what I should do. And now it's time for me to do it. It's time for me to respond and walk and, and see, not, not with saying, and sometimes it is saying this, like, hey, get up, come on, time to go pray. I try to be careful with, with that, but um, especially at school, I, there was a handful of people that kind of humbly gave me that, that place, and we would always have morning prayer at the sanctuary there on campus, and I don't know why I kind of became the go-to guy that people would be like, hey, like, I really want to go to prayer, but I just cannot get up. So one year I had like five or six different guys tell me that. So when I'd head to the sanctuary, I'd go by all their rooms and <laughs> knock on the door, drag them out of bed. And uh, I didn't make them pray. A lot of the, every now and then they would get up and say, okay, yeah, yeah. And then a few minutes later, I'd be in the sanctuary, never see them come in. <laughs> they fell back asleep. But men, we're, we're examples in our homes we're examples here in the church. And it's, it's, it's through that drawing nigh to him, it's through that process that we become holy. Through that separation from the things of the world, the, the noise of the world that tries to lie, and it does lie, and gives us all this noise. And there's one other scripture uh, that I want to look at. Romans chapter 12, familiar passage. Twelve, Romans 12 and 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. If I could use the words of Paul this morning, I feel like that's what I'm doing today. And like I said, I'm speaking to myself more and as much as anyone. But I, and I feel like the Holy Ghost today beseech you brethren and if you need a little explanation of that word it's like i urge you it's with great and utmost importance that i'm coming to you telling you these things brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. It's not original with me, and I've heard it said by a couple people, um, even referenced, but Brother, Brother Barnes, um, T.W. Barnes, he taught different men and this, um, these five things to pray, and I just want to mention two of them today. But he, he taught men, not just men, but he taught people to pray these handful of things, and two of them that came to my mind this morning was one, he said we should every day pray for a miracle of our emotions. And that stood out to me this morning, especially reading there about men not always lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Uh, I couldn't help but think about Cain and Abel. You know, the first murder in history of the world was 
was done between two brothers. Like, how tragic is that? First murder was done between two brothers, and it was because Cain got upset that God accepted Abel's offering and sacrifice and not his. Said he got angry to the point where his countenance fell. And the Lord even questioned him, like, why is your countenance fallen? I can see it on your face that you're angry. Something's changed about you. And I thought it tied in amazing to this scripture here where it talks about us presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. As men, as, as the body, as brethren, we can't compare one another's sacrifices. We can't, because it's not a matter of what we bring. It's, we're supposed to just bring ourselves. <laughs> we're supposed to be the sacrifice. But we can't compare or cause us to allow anger to well up in us because of someone else's sacrifice. But then the other thing I felt to um, leave us with to pray was for our mind. Pray for a miracle of our mind. Because it's been talked about numerous times throughout the last couple weeks. And I'm, I'm a, a pattern person. So I, I love seeing patterns in the scripture and then also in, in ministry across the course of weeks and it's been a pattern regarding um, I think I talked about it with with Satan the enemy's devices right him coming against our mind and and those contrary winds and, and different things and we've talked about it in Colossians and numerous weeks it's these these things in in regarding philosophies and vain de- vain deceit and and those things and and those things come in, into our mind and and what they're trying to do is conform us. And if we're conformed to this world, then we're not going to be separated unto God. We're not going to be holy men of God that lift up holy hands. We're not going to be the holy sacrifice that we need to be if we let ourselves be conformed to this world. And so it's important, men and women, children, it's important that we guard our minds in this hour. And it comes full circle back to Timothy, that we're sanctified, we're made holy by prayer and the Word of God. Our minds are cleansed, our minds are purified through the act of prayer and the Word of God. It's not just a one-dimensional thing that we do to go through the motions of checking off our list and saying, okay, I was a good Christian today because I read a chapter and prayed my, you know, prayed for my food (laughs) or prayed, lay me down to sleep, Lord. No, the, the, the hour that we live in, and of course it gets closer and closer every day, but the hour that we live in, it's, it's with utmost importance, men and women, that we pray everywhere without wrath or doubting. We can, we can let our wrath rise up because of governments, <laughs> because of mandates, right? I've, man, I've had to check myself multiple times. Because I feel, I, I, I can feel the, the tensions and the turmoils that are under the surface. And man, it's, it, it quickly just ignites my emotions. And man, it, it only takes, and this is something I have to confront myself with regarding Cain. Cain was just a normal guy. But any of us at any point, if we give in, the Lord came to Cain and he said, if you do good, I'll accept you. But if you don't, sin lies at the door. It's ready to pounce. He gave the illustration of it. It's like a lion that's crouched there. It's at the door. And if you open it, 
It's going to get you. And so I have to be honest with myself and realize, man, if I give in to my emotion just a little bit, if I crack that door just a little bit and respond in my emotions, and I feel like this goes for the men more so, if I respond out of emotion, man, it could be two seconds and, and I don't, you know, we, we've heard it said before, like, oh, so-and-so, they can never be capable of, of murder or this thing. Right, but how how often are we with our words? Right, how often are we capable of putting down a brother in an instant because we respond out of wrath? Because we don't have an awareness or check ourselves. So I, I I try to be honest and aware with myself and realize, man, I'm not I'm never to the point of holiness or godliness where all it it still only takes me creaking that door open a crack and the enemy pouncing and causing me to respond out of wrath, out of emotion. Amen. But I'm thankful for, thankful for the word of God because I, I want to be stable <laughs> in these last days. I don't want to be questioning every time a new story breaks and questioning, man, am I gonna, are we going to make it? Am I going to be okay? Are we going to survive as the church? Am I going to, you know, be persecuted? I don't, know what, I don't know the answer to that. Maybe. But I know if I can stay in the Word that it doesn't matter. Because I have faith from the Word of God. We're going to make it. And Lord willing... I think it could be within each of our lifetimes we're taken out of here in twinkling of an eye. It's quicker than one second, twinkling of an eye. His wrath is not appointed unto us. And our wrath <laughs> shouldn't be appointed to our brother, to our sisters. Amen. Can you just pray with me for a moment here before I turn this over? Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the voice of your spirit. Father, I want to be a man of God that's not only in the pulpit, but I want to be a man of God in my home. Jesus, I want to be a man of God in the pew when I'm listening to ministry from week to week. Jesus, and I want to lead by example in my home and in in the church and in my community, Father. I want to pray for those that are in authority. I want to pray for those, Jesus, that you've placed over me on my job and in this community. Lord Jesus, we know that the hour is short, that the day is at hand when you're going to return for your church. Oh God, but I come and I stand upon the word of God today in faith believing without wrath or without doubting God nothing wavering I stand upon your word and I know Jesus that you will accomplish what you've sent your word to do your word will accomplish what it was sent to do in this hour God and we will stand as men of God 
we will stand as children of God. And when we're moved on by your spirit, we'll open our mouths in prayer. We'll open our mouths in a secret place and to affect the governments and to affect the climate of this world. Jesus, because you're in control, your hand, Jesus, is still holding this world. There's nothing that's too hard for you. And there's nothing, Father, that's outside of your vision. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Would you all stand with me? I know we don't we don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask you, every person here, if you would, the front is open. If you want to come and spend time here in prayer, or if you would, there where you're at, kneel at your seat, but make it uh, an altar, a time of prayer. The Lord is giving us this opportunity to exercise what we've heard. Can we just spend some time in prayer? Every one of us, it would be appropriate for us to just find a place and respond to what the Lord is doing here today. Come on, let's pray together. <clears throat>